0: Welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Chris, for joining me for the podcast. Thanks for being a guest. And my guest today is uh, Chris Becker. And um, how are you doing today, Chris? I'm
1: doing great, man. I can't believe how nice the weather is. And uh, today marks nine years in St. Louis for me, and uh, there's no humidity, so I'm loving it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember uh, when we first met? We've met once in person, once before. Do you remember our, that?
1: Our kids were born on the same day at the same hospital. <laughs> Random. No. Um, you were brand... Um, are you serious about that? I I, are, am I, must be confusing with someone else then.
0: Yeah. I thought uh, that was just a
1: joke. Oh, no. no. Just not me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I totally thought the whole time I thought that our kids were born at the same day. There was another St. Louis photographer person that knew me from okay. the past. I knew online... And was at the hospital the day my daughter was born, and I, sw- I swear I thought that was you. Okay. So you don't have an eight-year-old? Okay, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> no. Um, so you might not remember this, uh, but like this was when you were brand new to St. Louis, and um, a, a group of photographers were meeting. I think it was in Kirkwood or Maplewood, Maplewood maybe at a little at place. a brewery. Yes. Okay. Or, or a little place. It was like lunchtime. Okay. We were having some lunch, and we're just chatting. And um I said, you introduced yourself as uh Chris Becker or something like that. And I, I was just saying, you know, there's a, a a Becker in our industry that's pretty influential and so forth, and you said, That's me. Uh, okay. <laughs> and you know, I had just listened to um like a audio workshop or something, you know, you had given and um was pre- you know, just really captivated by it and uh I'd never th- thought, well, I'd be just accidentally sitting across the table from you. But anyway, that's how.
1: Okay. That's met. funny. Okay. That's just crazy. Cause I, I thought you were someone else, but yeah, cause there was another photographer, like I said, their, their, their son was born the same day as my daughter, my first daughter, uh, a little over eight years ago. And I thought that was you, but okay. But I do remember going to, it was like a brewery. Was, I remember a bunch of photographers, long skinny table and that's stuff right. like that. So yeah. Right. Okay, cool, cool. Right on. In. Right. But That was been about nine years ago. Cause as I said, I got here nine years ago today. Right. So, um,
0: I know you from the the photography industry that I was in and you still are mm-hmm. somewhat and your wife Ashley is in it and then um since then you've become a health coach um with keto and um we'll get into that you mm-hmm. can explain what that sure. is and that's what you're um you're doing a lot of now as well as still doing some wedding photography and so forth yeah and um I kind of think of you as like, um, you know, I think you have a person, a leader type of personality because you were not just a photographer, you were kind of like a leader, influential. You gave workshops and things like that. You were a speaker. Is that what you were doing? Yeah.
1: I felt like whenever I figured something out, I liked sharing with other people. I just figured like, hey, this is working for me. And I just would share whatever it was, you know, and so I had a, you know, again seemed to have overnight success in photography but it wasn't really overnight it was a lot of hard work but again when the internet kind of came around in the early days of my business it was like oh people started to know who i was and so i just felt like i i was just a big believer in that whole rising tide raises all ships thing so i started helping other photographers and it wasn't even always workshops or whatever i would just like oh i'd share i'd, I'd get together with local photographers we'd all have lunch we'd talk about ideas we'd talk about pricing and Photoshop was very new at the time. So like, Oh, show me your Photoshop tricks and here's some Mm -hmm. posing ideas or check out this lighting thing. And I've just always been that kind of guy that was like, Hey, let's try to, um, share the collective knowledge and, and again, try to make everybody a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think we were just in the right industry at the right time. I think for a while, like wedding photography, photography was just quite an industry for about a 10 years stretch. It seemed like where I wasn't much of a businessman at all, but mm-hmm. I was just like a pretty decent photographer and raised my kids on wedding photography and was able to work from home. And it was really pretty good. Now it just kind of fell away from me anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where I feel like, um, again, in the mid nineties is kind of when I was starting, I was, you know, I, yeah. i done high school newspaper and yearbook i was working at a photo lab and i was shooting kind of whatever and um and kind of just got pulled into these weddings and then i was i was working at a photo lab part-time and a guy that i went to high school with a few years prior came into the lab to drop off some film for his dad and we were just chatting and he asked me do you have a website and i literally said what's a website (laughs) you know this is like 94 95 Mm -hmm. and he's like oh you have to have a website if you're a photographer you have to do this and so he built me a website And it was kind of crazy because in those early days, I used to have to explain to people what a website is. I'm like, you could go on your computer and look at my pictures. It was fancy and it was like just crazy. But the funny thing happens, I launched my website. I was in Southern California at the time. And the next day, the very next day, I booked a wedding in Florida. This girl had found me. This is pre-Google. Google Google didn't even exist yet. She found me, I believe, on Yahoo. And she's like, oh, I love your pictures. And I'm like, you know, I'm in California, right? And she's talking about this wedding in Destin, Florida. And it was crazy because like, you know, I I fly to this wedding and I went to the rehearsal dinner because I'd never met the couple. And everybody is coming up to me at the rehearsal dinner like, oh, you're that photographer they flew in from Hollywood. (laughs) And I was like, well, I don't exactly live in Hollywood, but yeah, I flew in from Southern California. But I realized the couple had been bragging. They flew their photographer in and they paid for my airfare, my flight, my hotel and all that stuff and rental car. And what I realized they had that kind of level of income they didn't really care what the photography costs so they picked my top package they but a b- bunch of add-ons and so I started b- like getting on this internet thing I'm like maybe this will catch on and I started book- booking weddings in the Bahamas and in Mexico and the, all up and down the east coast and Napa Valley and I was traveling a ton and I was like oh this internet thing is pretty cool and I think it's going to stick around for a while yeah so let's kind of just talk
0: about you as far as like your background, you grew up in California. Just um, what kind of person is Chris Becker? How what shaped you and and that type of thing? Oh you wow. Know, just getting your... into the deep stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I grew up in uh, California. It's uh it's I was born in 73, which is crazy. I'm turning fifty this year. In this fall, I'll be fifty. A lot of my friends from high school are all turning fifty now, and it's just kind of surreal to see everybody like I just remember like when I was young, fifty seemed so old. And now it's like, I'm 50, I have a two-year-old, you know, I have a two-year-old, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old and and I don't feel like it's old. I feel like I'm in my prime. I feel really good. But again, growing up, I had a, you know, pretty normal childhood. My parents were high school sweethearts. They just celebrated their 50th anniversary a little while ago. My sister's been married for 22 years, 23 years. Her oldest just graduated from high school a week or two ago. He just turned 18. Uh, My sister, my younger sister had kids about 10 years before I did. And so, again, just a little family of four and, again, really normal life. And my dad, um, you know, he always worked hard. My mom was a hairstylist. My dad worked for Coors Brewing for a long time, worked for a beer company. And then he's done, like, you know, then he was a painter, contractor, handyman, all that stuff. They're both pretty much retired. Right now, my mom has a handful of clients that she still cuts their hair, but she's been cutting people's hair for 50 years. So, she's got the handful of her her great clients. But um, I, I feel like I had a really normal childhood No major trauma, like very safe. My parents are loving people. Like I said, they're high school sweethearts and they're, they're awesome. Like my dad's my best friend and I talk to them all the time. I, that's the thing I miss most about California is I'm not close to my family. Uh, but you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a normal guy. And again, growing up, I was, you know, I, I wasn't very good at sports and a lot of stuff like that. I was a little overweight when I was a kid. And so when I found a camera, like early on in high school, I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And I really f- found this love of photography, my high school photo teacher, who I still keep in touch with thirty some years later. Um, he was just a huge influence on in my life. And, um, that I worked for a photo lab. And like I said, I just, you know, like I said, really got into photography. The guy who owned the lab also still in touch with, I shot his son's wedding in little rock a year or so ago. And, um, and again, I just, he, sh- he t- showed me how to make a business out of it. So it wasn't just about the photography, but like, hey, how do you make some money? He was like, oh, that's cool. You're taking school newspaper pictures, but like, let me show you how to make some cash. And I remember my senior year in high school, I made $30,000 in one month. And that was pretty wow. good <laughs> for 1990, you know? Right. Um, so it was, it was just uh, and I'm like, I, right then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to college. I went to a community college. I technically have an associate's degree in photography. People were very impressed by that. But I never went to like a four year school or anything like that. I started my own business, and like I said, photography definitely consumed my life for many, many years, and it was all about photography.
0: Yeah. Um, So you said your your dad is your best friend, huh? Mm
1: -hmm. Oh yeah.
0: And um, you know, how do you stay? He's in California, right? Mm -hmm. How do you stay connected with him?
1: Oh, I mean, we talk all the time. We're talking at least two or three times a week. Yeah. My dad's also trying to be active. We, we definitely, I'm not a big exercise guy. We'll go into that a little bit more later, but like I go on a walk every day. I definitely get my 10,000 steps without fail. And I go on walks all the time. And my dad also probably does 15,000 steps a day. He's definitely walking five, six miles on at a time. And so we chat a lot of times on our our talks. We still connect over Angels Baseball. He keeps me uh, apprised of what my nephew's doing in his baseball season and stuff like that. And so we're just always chatting. Um, and And obviously, you know, I knew him. I lived there for 41 years before I moved out here and just spent a lot of time with them. And again, some of my best memories as a kid is our fishing trips. He would take us to Northern California, and now he takes my nephew, and I'm kind of jealous. And again, my son is only two years old, but when he gets to be about five or six, we're going to fly out there. We'll fly to Reno and then meet my dad in Northern California and go to his uh, favorite little fishing spot. And he's been going there since he was in high school, and he's already given us clear instruction. When he passes, he wants to be cremated. He wants us all to spread his ashes on this lake and... You know, so anyway, but my dad, he, he literally is like my hero and he's just a good man. And, uh, and, uh, it's funny too, cause I didn't have kids till later in life. My first was born when I was 41, when my dad was 41, I was 20, you know? So I'm like an older dad by comparison. And I, for the longest time I didn't want kids cause I didn't think I'd be a very good dad. I was very selfish and very all about me and doing what I'm doing. And then what I realized is like, oh, I had a really good example of what a good dad is. And now I feel like I'm a great dad and my kids are my life. And I, you know, I just, I look to my dad for so much inspiration as far as how to be a family man, how to take care of your kids, how to love your wife, stuff like that. And so again, I, I mean, I get choked up just thinking about my dad, you know, and he, he's, uh, he's awesome. So.
0: Yeah. Um. So was your, uh, what was your kind of like, home, um, our family philosophy of life, so to speak, like, were y'all religious, or did y'all have other um, ways to think of, like,
1: this is just what life is all about, or are What was that like? Growing up, I think we were the twice a year Catholics. We'd go to church on Easter and Christmas, you know, for a long time. We went to a Catholic church, which I absolutely hated. It was just, for me, it was so boring as a kid and like all these little things. And I went through the CCD thing or catechism or whatever. I remember going to that, Mm -hmm. not enjoying it. And then, in uh, when I was a freshman in high school, we were born again Christians. We started going to like a Baptist church, Calvary Chapel out there, Chuck Smith in California. Oh, yeah, yeah and did then, you
0: see G- Jesus Revolution?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> but I remember, I remember hearing that story of like Jesus on the cross and like hey, he died for you. And it was it's, it was so visceral, and I just remember like again freshman year in high school, and I really just dove into that. And my mom and I were really the first ones to really kind of dive into that. And I, my mom, got me the one year Bible. I finished the Bible in a year. And then really, really, um, again, like the, I would say my, my, um, my high school years, I was definitely involved in the youth group and going to church all the time. We were going to church every Sunday for sure. And usually on Wednesday and on Friday night thing or whatever. So we went quite a bit. And then my faith kind of got rocked when I was a senior in high school, my best friend died of like a very rare cancer. Oh wow. And it was yeah, it was just like and it was just I was so mad at God and angry and like just like how do you do that to some you know 17-year-old girl, mm. give her a bone marrow cancer that was like whatever. And I remember going up with her family a few times to Cedar Sinai to go to treatments and and just um you know again, this is a girl that I knew since kindergarten, had a crush on her forever. We never dated. I always liked her from afar, but we were really good friends. And again, it was just such a such a a blow to my faith like at that time. And so again, I still consider myself a Christian. We go to church. We've been actually going to church regularly because my kids actually like going to church, you know? So we've been going to a family church down there in Chesterville Valley and, um, and really do enjoy it. But again, I haven't, I wouldn't consider myself a super religious person. I was all, um, I was definitely more about the relationship as opposed to religion. And I still have a lot of issues with organized religion and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, but but again, the childhood, like I said, it was. I felt it was just normal. It was just a normal childhood and stuff like that. But you know, yeah. So,
0: like um, the problem of suffering in the world—that's kind of what um, kind of rocked your world, your faith. Mm-hmm. And is that still kind of like an obstacle, just suffering in the world? No,
1: I, I think now it's like I'm. I'm at this belief. Like I, I, I spent a lot of time on. Personal growth and developing. And again, I feel like, again, like moving to St. Louis was obviously a huge deal because, like, I was a Southern California guy, I identified that was my world. And, you know, when I met Ashley, we kind of did the long distance thing for a while. It didn't work out at first. She came to California. She moved back. And when we kind of got back together after a little time apart, it was like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this relationship work. And she was shocked when I said I'd move to St. Louis. And a lot of people when they like, you lived in Southern California? You moved here? And I usually just say, have you met my wife? I mean, she's an amazing person. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I feel like, you know, it's like my goal has always been to always try to elevate my game. Whether it was wedding photography, it was like every week I wanted to get better. I wanted to take better pictures. I wanted to make my brides more excited, more happy with their images. So it was that whole, and I've never been a drinker, but I love the Dos Equis commercials, the whole stay thirsty, my friends. You know, that idea of not being content, always trying to evolve, Become the best version of yourself, and then me. That's again going back to you mentioned with being an influencer and in the photography creator. I was always trying to help other photographers. Hey, become the best version of yourself. Get better. Be a better photographer. Be a better businessman. Be a better person. Just kind of again that that addiction of personal growth. So when it comes back to like suffering, I think a lot of it is optional. A lot of it is uh, a matter of perspective. I had a mentor a while ago that uh, would who would say. Um, Nothing has any meaning except for the meaning that you give it. So if something happens in life, you know, I remember years ago, again, when I was a single guy, driven, kind of amped up. You know, I would get really road ragey. I was always in a hurry. And then road ragey in Southern California doesn't really mix. The traffic is ridiculous and you're always stuck. You're always behind someone. But I would like get high blood pressure and I'd get yelling at other people. And And now it's like, well, you know, eh, I'm not in that big of a hurry, you know, especially if I got my kids in the car. I mean, it literally is like 10 and 2, safe driver. We'll get there when we get there. I love, I mean, I haven't had a job, quote unquote, since, you know, for over 30 years. Like I've been my own boss. So I pretty much don't have... I don't, I'm not clocking in anywhere. Now, obviously I want to be on time for my weddings and my appointments. And so I've been always a prompt person. I leave early, but anyway, it it just comes down to like, whatever happens in life, you get to decide what it means. So if someone cuts you off, it could be like, oh my God, that guy hates me. It's like, no, he just didn't see or wasn't paying attention or maybe he's having a bad day or whatever. And so now the point is you let that stuff go. What if he really hates you, though? Well, you know, again, (laughs) I always say like, hey, uh, your opinion of me is none of my business. And I realized in high school, I realized in high school I had the type of personality that people either loved or hated. And at first it bothered me, and then I was okay with it, and now I actually embrace it. And I know I'm not for everyone, and that's okay. And so if people don't like me, it's like, I I don't care. I mean, I really I had to develop some very thick skin early on when again, being known. I mean, we were early on like Twitter. Like that was like a thing in like 2008. Like Twitter, what? What's this thing? And it's like, "Well, you could talk to the whole world and everyone could read whatever you're thinking." And you know, and I had a bunch of haters, and there were a bunch of uh the Twitter accounts like that were, you know, that were just like trolling me all the time, and it's just like block, ignore. I don't I don't worry about that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. We seem very likable. It's
0: hard to imagine someone hating you, but then I if, know, if, right? <laughs> but if you're on t- Twitter, then from what I hear, I imagine you. Every, anyone would find. Haters, I mean, it's you
1: know. it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the whole world. I realized again a long time that you can't please everyone. I stopped trying, and as soon as I stopped trying, I just slept a lot better at life. You know, and so I feel like I'm a likable guy, but I do understand where again anybody who has an opinion. And if it's a strong opinion, it rubs people the wrong way. Cause not everyone's going to believe what you believe and you know, everyone's got different yeah. views and, and perspectives and whatnot. And so it's like, that's cool. That's what life is about. And and I just try not to take anything personally and you know,
0: but as far as um, like suffering um, you know, what about your friend, you know, your senior year, that's not just why well, I can decide what this is. I mean, that seems kind of tragic. I mean, oh, I
1: mean, it is tragic. It is yeah. tragic. But then again, like, you know, it's like God had a purpose. Sometimes hard to see it. Still don't know if I figured out what the purpose of her dying was. But it happens all the time. You see kids get, get leukemia or whatever. And it's just, right. I mean, it's tragic. It's heartbreaking when you see these stories. And then, or you see, oh, this family of five got in a car accident. And everybody died except for one kid. And now he's an orphan. And the rest of his family's gone. And it's like, it's tragic. The world happens. And it's, it's terrible. And, you know. I, I just feel like, um, you know, I feel very blessed that again, I haven't been around that kind of stuff. Like I, I feel like I lead a, a charmed life. I feel very blessed. Mm-hmm. I, I love the quote, the Rumi quote, live life as it's rigged in your favor. So again, you asked me about like my family growing up, my family growing up, I felt like, again, just very average, very loving family. But like, again, I, I don't have, I, I don't have like like bad memories from my childhood. Like so pretty much I, I remember like, Oh, we had a loving family. Now my mom and I, there were times like in high school, we didn't get along and you know, typical teenager sure. stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking forward to that. Like my oldest is eight right now. But again, we have that, that roomy quote. Like we made a little family crest. that was like one a project we did. We took an old pillowcase and they decorated it and painted it, but it's live life as it's rigged in your favor. And mm-hmm. so that's what I try to oh. teach my kids. Like, um, it's, it's going to be fine. And so every night too, when I, when I read my kids or I read them stories before we go to bed and we sing some songs and we sing a couple little, you know, Bible songs or twinkle, twinkle, but I always end it with the Bob Marley, three little birds. Don't worry about a thing. Every little thing is going to be all right. So I want to instill that in my kids that it's, everything is going to work out. It's going to be fine no matter what happens. And there are going to be some bad things. There some things are going to happen, But it's just like it's not it's not so much about like what happens in life, but it's how you react and you get to decide.
0: Well, what's um, the basis of your optimism? Like what's it what's it grounded in? How do you know that you're right? You know,
1: I guess past experience. I just feel like, hey, it's all going to work out. And no matter what happens again, I I remember I did go see Tony Robbins a few years ago and walked on the hot coals and all that stuff. Yeah. And I just remember like, I remember again, I was living in Los Angeles at the time and it was at the LA convention center. And if you've been to Los Angeles at eight o'clock in the morning, you know that traffic is horrible and it is crazy. And I remember driving there and like going to be late, but I left super early because I'm responsible like that. And I hate being late, but I was in a ton of traffic and it was really, really stressful. And, you know, I got there in time and then, you know, pay, you know, 25 bucks for parking or some crazy amount, you know, whatever. And I got there and, I got there on time and we watched the thing and Tony kind of started off and he said like, you know, how many people were in traffic this morning and how many people were pissed off because they are the traffic. And I'm of course raising my hands and stuff like that. And they're like, anybody in an accident this morning? And again, there's a couple thousand people in the room. There were a couple car accidents, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, at least I wasn't in an accident, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's like an an, an accident would be terrible. And then depending on the severity of the car accident, you know? Um, but if it's just a little fender bender, it's like, yeah, it's inconvenient. It sucks, but it's like, okay. But then if they talk about, well, what if you went home and you found out your house burned down, you know, well, the car accident's not such a big deal. And then you find out like, oh, your house burned down, but then, oh, then your, your wife has cancer. Well, the house burning down's not that big of a deal. You know, when you start, when you start looking at perspective. And so again, I just feel like, again, whether it is faith in God or faith in the universe or whatever it is, I just feel like, Hey, It's going to be okay. And no matter, even when bad things happen, it's like, okay, we just got to roll with the punches and we got to just like decide like, Hey, we get to decide how we react to this, you know? So, and again, that's just a philosophy that I have. And I just feel like it's going to work out and maybe it's self-fulfilling prophecy because I believe it's going to work out. It works out.
0: Um, so you mentioned, um, well, you seem ambitious, Yes. And um, so that's kind of, is there anything driving that? Or is it just um, that it's fun to achieve and so forth? Well,
1: I think, again, growing up, again, I felt like I was just this average kid. I was overweight. I wasn't good at sports. I wasn't good with the ladies. I I just felt like I wasn't good at anything. And then when I found this camera, I felt like, oh, I'm finally good at something. And so that's why I really embraced photography. Because it was like, my and I didn't know if I was good or not, but my... My high school newspaper teacher told me I was. My photography teacher told me I was really good. I had a really good eye. I'm like, I don't know if he's just blowing smoke or if he tells every kid that, but I believed it and I was good at something. So I embraced it. And then, like I said, I was taking pictures. I was shooting with my friends. I I convinced my dad to co-sign for a credit card for me. I bought a professional camera, a lens and a flash. And I maxed out the credit card in like, you know, one afternoon but I paid it off in like three months because I was hustling. and I was shooting my friend's senior portraits and I'd do the family pictures for this. And my dad's like, wait, you already paid that all off? You know, again, back then four twenty five was a minimum wage. I'd worked at Subway briefly, but then I was working at this photo lab. and. But again, I was making a couple hundred bucks a pop shooting these portrait sessions. And so, again, whether I was a good photographer or a good businessman or both, either way, I, was, I found success at an early age and I thought, okay, this is fun. And then again, when I started booking these weddings and I was flying to these weddings and I started making thousands of dollars and I would make more in one weekend than my dad made all month. You know, I was still living at home when my mom, when they, at, at one point, my mom's like, we're going to have to start charging you rent. <laughs> we're like, we think $150 a month is fair. And I literally snap off $200 bills and give my mom and say, keep the change. You know, uh, she was a great cook. She made all kinds of food. She did the laundry. And so I felt that was the best deal ever. But I think it was just like, hey, I was finally good at something in my life. I enjoyed it. And so I wanted to excel. I didn't want to just be the average photographer. I wanted to be good at something. And so again, it was like, that was that drive to be like, oh, like, oh, I did a really good job this weekend. Next weekend, my goal was to make last weekend's pictures look like crap. I wanted to step it up. Sorry, that's all right. I just put mine in airplane mode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, and you value relationships. You mentioned your dad and you're, you know, you have like a charismatic personality. It seems like I was just thinking before coming over here about how, um, that we're kind of different, you know, cause you have a personality. I'm still waiting to get one, <laughs> but, um, and, um, Are you just kind of naturally an extrovert? Um,
1: Uh, You know, it's funny because I definitely can be outgoing... Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I also really uh, enjoy my alone time, which I don't get too much of anymore with three kids. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel, I did that, uh, the Myers-Briggs test a couple years ago and I was definitely an E mm-hmm. I was the extrovert ENTJ, or I don't remember. I was the same one as George Bush, whether take that for what <laughs> it's worth. Um, they, they talk about all the celebrities that were the same as you. But, um, but again, I think we grow and evolve and again, relationships are fun. It, it's crazy. Again, moving here a few years ago. I don't have a lot of friends in St. Louis per se. Like I like in California, I had tons of friends industry and obviously all the people I grew up with. And now obviously my best friend is my wife and we hang out all the time and we do stuff, but I don't have a lot of like guy friends that, Hey, let's go to a movie or let's go do this. And now there's a couple neighbors that invite me along to the Cardinal games or the blues games and God bless them. And you know, I'm getting to know these people and, but again, it's like my primary relationships, again, obviously my wife, my kids, I still uh, keep in touch with my best friend who's now living in Arizona, but I talk to him almost every day and we're just talking about life. Oh, and really? Yeah. Wow. And so we're, we're we're again, I, he's my best friend. I've known him for, he was the best man at my wedding. Um, he was someone I met through the photography industry and now, you know, we're doing other things and it's just like, it's just like, how, how can we learn from each other? How can we grow Hey, this happened and then this happened. And so we it's just kind of nice. He's almost like a mentor to me, and then I mentor him. And it's just like a it's a really good relationship. And, you know, I'm uh, just so grateful for him. And you know, like I said, it's just whatever's happening. If I'm having troubles, if Ashley and I are arguing about something, I'll I'll share what's going on. He gives me some perspective, and it, it's just nice to have somebody like that that, you know, and so again, I talk about having a best friend, like he he's awesome. And, you know, so I, I feel super grateful for him. That was actually, he just texted me a second ago. So I put my phone in airplane mode, but you know, um, yeah. So, and you guys just, one of you just picks up the phone every day and pretty, pretty much, I would say every, I probably, yeah. probably three or four times a week, you know, okay. it's just kind of, Hey, here's what's up again. He's also goes for his walks every day. Um, he's a couple hours earlier than I am. He's in Arizona. So it gets hot during the day. So he goes for his walks earlier. I have to get the kids ready, do some things. And I go for my walk in the middle of the day. I like to get the sunshine, get my vitamin D on. And so he'll, we'll just, we'll just chat on the walks. And sometimes, you know, he'll call and I I can't pick up or vice versa. And then we just connect, whatever. But, but again, he's also, he's coaching people. He's helping. He's at the point where he did photography for many years. He still does a little photography, but he, he has other interests. And so we're always just trying to help each other out. Hey, how did this business idea work? Or how would this work? Or, you know, he just self-published a book a while ago and he it did really well. He sold a bunch of copies. and But now he has, still has a bunch left. So he's trying to figure out how to sell copies or share and mm-hmm. get it out there. and. So it's just, it's just ideas and just having someone that you can just completely trust and there's no judgment. And it, I feel like it's a really great friendship. I definitely miss them. I definitely see them a couple times a year because we still shoot a couple of photography jobs together every uh, April and October. It's like kind of a standing job that we have. So we actually get to see each other in person a couple of times a year. And so, yeah. Yeah.
0: So what's your uh, daily routine like or your weekly routine or what, um, you know, just things that you do in, in a routine that's. Important to you, meaningful.
1: Yeah, well, now that again, now that the kids aren't in school, it is nice because we do get to sleep in a little bit uh, more. We usually during the school year we're up at seven fifteen every single day. The Kids got to be at school at eight thirty, but now we usually get up around eight or eight thirty, and it really is dependent on when the two year old wakes up. And so when he wakes up, everybody's pretty much up, and we just kind of have our have our little morning snuggle time, and we we a lot of times we talk about the day and see what they're doing, and definitely the first thing, my first priority of the day is like I got to get the kids fed. You know, they have to eat something. And we're not just feeding our kids cereal or anything like that. So I'm making like a real breakfast most days and trying to, you know, you know, like I said, make sure they get their proper nutrition and they have something. And then I try to, if, if, if I don't have anything else going on, I try to get a small workout in first thing in the morning for the longest time working out was not a priority. But now as I get older, like building strength and I've just got like a 12 or 15 minute routine that I'm doing all the time. And it's really simple. I can do it at home. I've got a couple little pieces of equipment, but I'm like, it's a great day if I get that done. Now, today I had to run out here for this interview, so I didn't get to do that, but I, I tell myself I'm gonna do it as soon as I get back. But we'll see what happens with the kids, and my wife has other plans. But at some point today, I will get to it. But I try to get that workout in early. Um, we're definitely of the mindset, like I, for the last three or four years, my iPhone does not sleep in my bedroom with me. So it's out in my office on the charger. So I'm not interrupted. I'm not, cause otherwise I'd wake up in the middle of the night and again, I'd just be on Instagram or Twitter or reading and then I, I'd, I'd lose an hour of sleep, just, just scrolling. So that hasn't happened in a couple of years. And then I try not to pick up my phone for at least an hour. So I try to get the kids fed and my workout done and then check in with the world. Now, that's, again, a typical day, an ideal day. And now during the summer, my wife and I kind of trade off. Sometimes she'll take the kids and I'll get some work done or vice versa. Or a lot of time it's weather dependent. Oh, it's going to be really hot today. I'm taking the kids to the pool or we're doing something like that. Um, So, but, you know, but then I try to find, you know, a couple hours to work on my business, whether it's like in the kids are reading or doing an arts and craft project or whatever, and I'm either scheduling social media posts or making some content for my coaching programs or tweaking a website or working on a client's website, I really feel like if I can have two hours of work time a day, like uninterrupted work time, I'm really good. I'll do the Pomodoro method. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it's 25 minutes of solid work, five minute break. If I could do four of those in a day back to back, I got a lot done. I can be really, really focused in that time. And then I love being flexible and I love being available for my kids or, oh, my wife wants me to run this errand or do this or do that. You know, working from home definitely has its perks. And I I like that flexibility and the lack of structure. Um, it, It just makes it so that's just how I'm living my life, you know, and right now it's like, you know, I think about it like my oldest is eight and I'm like, you know, I got 10 summers left, you know, before she goes off to college or whatever. And it's like, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be present in the presence of my children. And that's one of our kind of my little daily mantra things that I read all the time. Like I want to, I don't want my kids seeing me scrolling my phone all the time, watching Instagram reels and this or that or whatever, being on the TikTok. Like if if the kids are in the room, we try to have the phones upside down at least and not just be, you know, ignoring them for these devices. So, so
0: you, you said you read that mantra every day, Mm -hmm. like. Is it on the wall or in a book? So
1: I have it a couple different places. I have it printed out. It fits on one eight and a half by 11 sheet, you know, small type, but I'm getting, it's getting harder. I got to get my readers out to watch that. But I also made a, like it's a hidden page on my website. So if I go to my website slash, you know, hidden, hidden link, I've got it in like, there's a little photo and then like a title and then just a, a couple sentences for each of these 12 kind of principles that I go through. And I just kind of read those and just remind myself. And the first one is gratitude. Start your day with gratitude. And so again, I think I, I thank the Lord for my beautiful wife, my wonderful home, my happy, healthy kids, my seem, never never seemingly uned, unending flow of clients. Like, you know, it's like somehow he always provides. I always have a job. I always, whether it's a wedding job or a, a coaching job or whatever, it seems like it's always been provided for. I haven't had a paycheck in 30 some years, you know, and it's like, it's always worked out. Now there's sometimes where it works out a little easier than others. There's sometimes where it's been a little tighter, but it, it always works out. Um, so, but but so I just kind of read through these twelve things every morning and try to get my mind right and and just like again reflect on these things and then uh, trying to decide who I want to be.
0: Okay, and um, can you go through the twelve just kind of briefly? Sure, sure.
1: I mean, I'll go through. I know, like I said, the first one is gratitude. Then another... I don't know Hang on, it's just getting into it. Okay, so I'll let you see it too. So we start each day with gratitude. Although I don't read every little thing. And whatnot. Sure. Yeah. But then I, again, I'm on a mission. I wake up on a mission. What am I? Fa- oh, are we still going? No. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite books that I read a few years ago was, um, outwitting the devil. It's by Napoleon Hill, who also wrote, um, think or grow rich, but mm-hmm. this is a book that didn't get released for several years, but just having that idea, having a definite, definiteness of purpose. I don't want to drift through life. I want to have a mission and stuff like that. So we've got favor again, Live life as rigged in your favor. My identity, I'm a fat burning machine. I'm the picture of health and vitality. I strive to be the best dad I can be. My kids will be continually showered with love, laughter, and words of affirmation. Uh, Self-integrity, not just integrity, but self-integrity. You know, looking back to the four agreements, say what I, I keep my word to myself no matter what. I have a vision, you know, what I want to be. I uh, I like the Oprah quote, create the highest, grandest vision of your life because you become what you believe. Uh, everything comes down to choices, you know, easy choices, hard life, hard life, hard choices, easy life, consistency. There's me with the Chippendales dancers there. Uh, again, it's about habits, discipline, swagger. I like the, the Jordan Peterson, the walk tall with your shoulders back, the first rule for life out of all the 12 rules. That's my favorite. I'm, I, I live to inspire. I want to show other people like what's possible because of you, I didn't give up. And then responsible, you're responsible for your own actions. So whatever happens in life, it's up to you. Like you get to determine, you know, and then execution, like the greatest, greatest gap in the world is the one between knowing and doing. I love that quote. And think like a lot of people know what to do. They know they should eat better, but they don't, you know, or they know they should save money, but they don't, you know? So again, it's about executing and then belief, you know, and again, proceed as success. Success is inevitable. Um, think, think I can, and I'm halfway there. Act as if nothing has meaning except for the meaning I give it. So again, I just, those are the 12 things that I start my day with. Okay. Sounds like you're a reader. Is that right? Yes. oh, I love reading. Yes. Well, I, I love audiobooks more than reading, but a lot of times I buy the book that way I have it for reference, but then I, I listen to the book while I'm on my walk.
0: Okay. Um, you want to say anything about your coaching, like your, um, you know, keto, well, you know sure. ketosis like, yeah, I'd love or whatever to.
1: well what happened was, again i was always a chunky little kid and then by the time i was a teenager i was overweight and by the time i was an adult i was obese and i never i always thought of myself as big boned like i never thought of myself as obese and it was i was 37 years old um joe photo my best friend and i we were out shooting a wedding in las vegas there was a vegas impersonator or a, a, a elvis impersonator out in las vegas and he was amazing he looked just like elvis he sounded just like elvis and i'm like dude i got to my picture with this guy so Joe snaps a photo of me and Elvis, and I saw that photo, and that was the first time in my life where I thought, oh my gosh, I'm obese. I wasn't just fat. I wasn't just overweight. I was obese. And I saw that photo, and it was depressing. And I drove home from Vegas, and I didn't have a scale at my house, so I go to my parents' house, and I step on their scale. And I, if I was going to guess, I was like, ah, eh, 250 pounds or so, because I hadn't weighed myself since I was maybe 220 pounds, and I was closer to 300 pounds than I'd like to admit, and it was really kind of scary. And at the time, my mom says something, oh, yeah, you know, it's hard to to tell someone that you love that, hey, you're concerned for your health and all that stuff. But my mom's like, hey, did you hear about Jim across the street? Well, Jim across the street was, I was 37 at the time. He was 39. We could have shared a wardrobe. We were the exact same size. His son came home from school one day and found his dad in the shower. He had passed away of a heart attack at 39 Mm -hmm. years old. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, that was a huge wake up call because I was like, he was overweight, I was overweight. Like I said, we could have been twins. He was two years older. So at that point, I was like, oh, Okay, I gotta do something. I gotta change my life. I gotta lose some weight. And so um I started doing the low carb thing. Mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss had came out with that book, Four Hour Work Week, which I'd read and loved. Well, he yeah. came out with the four hour body. It came out in December yeah. of twenty ten. And I decided right then and there, I'm like, okay, look, it's, it's Christmas time. It's like literally a week or so before Christmas, but you know, all the Christmas treats and all the Christmas parties and all the stuff. And I'm like, I have to start right now. I have to do this right now. And I started doing the low carb lifestyle that he provided or the slow carb thing that he, he prescribed. And I lost nine pounds in a week. And by the end of the year, I was down 15 pounds mm-hmm. and it still had the built-in cheat day. And so Christmas day was a cheat day and new year's day was a cheat day and you know, whatever, but I still lost 15 pounds in two weeks. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so this low carb thing worked out really well. Three months in, I was down 50 pounds, felt amazing. Uh, a year later I was down 70 pounds. I lost, I lost 70 pounds in one year. And I was just blown away. My life was completely changed, lost. At that point, I was like six inches off my waist. And I was just like, again, my life just completely changed. And then the crazy thing about that, I love telling the story, is like that's when I actually first came to St. Louis during that first year. At the time I'd first come to St. Louis, I was down 60 pounds at that time. And that's when I met my wife. And I'm not saying my wife's shallow, but if my wife would have met me when I was closer to 300 pounds, she would not have given me her phone number. She was really into yoga and fitness and all that stuff. So I think the best decision I ever made was to get healthy and get fit. I lost the weight. I met my wife, was feeling really good, had a lot of confidence. You know, I came to speak at a photography convention here. You know, you know, and as she said, I was kind of well-known in the wedding world. She's like, hey, can I get my picture with you? I'm like, yeah, we got a picture. And I'm like, uh, text me that photo. And I, I honestly, I was like, I wanted the picture because I felt I looked good in the picture cause I had just lost 60 pounds. And, but then I got her number like that. And so I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in town for another day. You want to go to a Cardinal game with me? I want to crush Bush off my list. I was a huge baseball fan. So she came to a game with me and now we have three kids. So, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a crazy thing, but, um, like I said, losing that weight was a big deal. And then again, like I said, we did the kind of long distance thing for a while, went back and forth for a while. And, um, and then, uh, you know, when I, after, shortly after moving to St. Louis, we found out we're expecting. So it was like, oh, and again, I did the math. I'm like, I'm going to be this older dad. And I told you earlier how my dad was 41, you know, or when my dad was 41, I was 20, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to be a dad at 41. And it was really, then it wasn't just about weight loss. It was about health. And that's when I really started studying nutrition. And what happened was I started studying nutrition. I realized, oh, yeah, a lot of nutritional studies are flawed and it's, you know, backed by corporate sponsorship and this kind of stuff and i realized that everything i was told growing up about health and nutrition was basically a lie and it was wrong and it was inaccurate and it was just like wow when you really dig into it and you kind of take the red pill on nutrition and realize that oh the foods that we've been eating forever are perfectly fine you know it's like you know people demonize red meat and butter, and salt, and it's like, ah, uh, we've been eating that forever, that's, as a human species, that's what we've been eating, basically, and, you know, and it's like, it's the most demonized foods now, and I'm like, that's pretty much what I live on, and so I basically just flip the food pyramid upside down, I pretty much ignore all the traditional dietary advice, and again, I've, not only have I lost the weight, but then, I'm no longer pre-diabetic, I no longer have high blood pressure, I no longer suffer from uh, depression, I no longer, have uh ed problems you know that i was experiencing in my 30s when i was eating crap food all the time and it's crazy how when you just get your diet right everything gets better and so that's why i got so fired up and this was all around the time that i moved to st louis and i was studying nutrition and then also like you know moving from southern california to st louis i kind of thought i'd come in here i'm i'm a big time photographer right i'm gonna come in here and everyone's gonna book me and everyone's like wait you charge how much and it was kind of humbling To be like, well, you know, I'm not booking the same kind of weddings that I was used to booking in Beverly Hills or Bel Air or these, you know, great Southern California weddings. And at that time though, I was just so passionate about, about my journey. And again, it wasn't just about weight loss, but my health improvement. So I really started focusing on the health coaching and photography kind of became like a side hustle. And so now again, I'm a second shooter for my wife. I second shoot for a couple other local photographers, but I'm really passionate about helping other people figure out, hey... Yes. A lot of people come to me because they want to lose weight. They want to lose 50 pounds. They want to lose 30 pounds, whatever. But it's like, Hey, the, my first little tenant in my program is focus on health gain, not weight loss. The weight loss will come. So, um, so, you know, it's like, it really is about focusing on your health. The weight loss is a nice little side effect. And so I just started coaching others because I still think the information that's out there is terrible. And you look at all these influencers on TikTok or Instagram and they just there it's all about the calories or this or that and it's just like it's just not really good advice it's not really helpful. So I'm really passionate about that because again I still have a little chip on my shoulder from all the stuff we were taught growing up it's just like it's nuts. So yeah. Keeps me fueled to show people like hey here's how to eat a healthy life and then or lead a healthy life and then oh yeah the weight loss will be a really nice side effect. Cuz again working to be skinny is really really exhausting but working to be healthy is empowering and then the again the weight just comes off so yeah that's been my cool. philosophy
0: okay cool um, you have any thoughts about um kind of going back to relationship about connecting with people um sounds like it's, a lot of it involves conversation and just connecting being present with people and things I mean, I'm sure you um, interact with all kinds of people or you have over the years, but it seems like you probably just go deep with like a smaller circle of people and it seems to involve um, just being face-to-face or or maybe over the phone, but um, as far as just uh, what you've learned about connecting with people you have anything to share about that
1: yeah I really do think it's it's about the actual connection like for a while like I had 5,000 friends on Facebook and that was the limit and I thought like I don't know these people and they sent me friend requests through the photography stuff or whatnot Then a few years ago, we would do this trick every day on their birthday. You know, it shows whose birthday it is. And it was like, if I knew them, I'd wish them a happy birthday. And if I didn't know them, I'd unfriend them. So (laughs) I'm down to under like 3,000 friends now. And I try to connect, but even 3,000 is too many people because I still don't know half the people or I know the name or recognize it. But I think again, as you get older, again, like having a lot of friends is not appealing to me, but having a, a, a small core group of people that you really trust and love and we've got a couple couples here in St. Louis that we spend time with. And I absolutely love these people. I love their kids. And I think a lot of it comes down to values, people that do similar things, you know. And it's like, oh, hey, we're, we're raising our kids a certain way with certain beliefs. And those are the kind of people that you want to be around. And again, I, don't, I always forget who said it, but they say who you are now and who you are in five years comes down to the people that you spend time with and the books that you read. And so, like I said, I'm always, uh, always reading the next book as far as like trying to better myself and level up my game. And then I want to spend time with people who are successful and not just successful monetarily or in business, but they're successful because, oh, they actually have a healthy relationship with their spouse or they actually are raising good kids or whatever. And they just, again, I think being like a positive impact on society and like there's people that you meet and it's like, yeah, there's you know relatives or this or that. And like, they're not people I necessarily hang out with, you know, and I'm not trying to say I'm better than them or trying to be judgy. They're just like a different value system. And so it's like, we want to hang out with people that we like. We've been hanging out lately with, uh, we started hanging out with our farmer, our local farmer. We get our vegetables from like every week. We have a little farm share, fresh veggies, you know? And so we are spending a lot more time with this couple because they, they're raising their kids the same way we're raising our kids, like about health and freedom and personal choice and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it's just, it really is just coming. I I think people like people that are like them, like-minded people. You want to do people um, that you like, know, and trust. You want to hang out with those kinds of people. So again, it's not a huge group, but it's like, I'm really happy with the, the, the people that are in our life. Okay. Here's just um, a few words and just
0: kind of what kind of response, you know, um, do you have for this? Like, what do you find amazing about, the world about reality about just what's amazing to you
1: mm. well again I, I think it's just the, the people that you know and I, I feel again like I said I feel blessed because again I've only been married seven years um, which isn't a long time compared to a lot of people but I just feel like gosh I have this girl I waited I didn't get married till I was 42 years old and again I was the guy I was never getting married but when I got married I'm like this is the one I have no doubts that we'll be together forever we are gonna grow old together because we have such a solid relationship and it's just this mutual respect and And again, I think the way that we view the world, but I I think, again, the world is kind of a crazy place these days. And so, you know how I think the world is amazing? I just turn the news off and I try not to watch what's going on so much. And I used to be a news junkie and I used to read everything and wanted to be up on every topic. And now it's just kind of depressing. So I feel like, well, hey, I'm going to go just sit in my bubble here and take care of my family because that's all I can really control anyway. Can't do anything else. I can't choose for other people. So we're just trying to, again, live the best life that we can and not worry about all the rest. And I think that that in itself is beautiful and just like having our experience. What's the most satisfying thing
0: that you do when you're involved in it? Just where you feel the most satisfaction.
1: Well, honestly, honestly, I I, I get so much joy and it's just so funny because I never, never wanted kids. I was the guy, Ah, no, I I loved my sister's kids because it was like, oh, I could play with my niece and nephew. And then once they crapped their pants, I could hand them back to my sister, you know? And I was like, ah. But to be honest, like just watching my kids grow up is, is really, I know it sounds cliche, but it really is such a joy. And then again, my eight year old, I don't want to brag too much about her, but I think she's like a genius. I think she's like off the charts. We did our, um, like parent teacher conference. She was just finishing up second grade and her teacher said she's reading at like a high school level. I mean, she'll read like a Harry Potter book in like two days, like 300 pages. She'll just tear through these books. She loves reading every single day. We go to the library once or twice a week. The librarians know her. She's like the biggest little nerd ever, but she just loves to read. But then even just watching the little guy and his vocabulary and his two sisters are so sweet to him and they read to him all the time and he has such a vocabulary for a two-year-old and gets these concepts. But just watching the world through my kids... Uh, it really is so satisfying and I just love the little human beings that they're turning into. And we always joke like our middle child was a middle child. Even when we just had two, she's kind of our little rambunctious one and she's a lot more spirited. She doesn't like reading as much as her sister, but it's fun to see her own little personality and she is very determined. And if she sets her mind to something, she goes for it. And I love seeing that. And my prayer again, when I had, we had, you know, you know, we had two kids we had the two girls first and we thought we were done and God had other plans. I joke around our little guy being our, our lockdown baby. It was that summer of 2020. We weren't allowed to leave the house. It was like, oops, that happened. So he was, he was a really happy accident. But again, he just completes our family. But when I had just the two girls, my prayer was the girls to grow up to be kind and confident, just like their mother. And that's the thing about Ashley. If you know my wife, again, she is, I still don't know how I ended up with her because I'm definitely not nearly as nice as her. But again, where I told you, I have the personality that people love or hate. My wife has a personality everybody loves. I mean, my wife, she's just glow. Just she's warm. She's friendly. She's outgoing. But then she's also very confident. Like she takes care of herself. She's really into health and fitness. She's a really talented photographer. Her clients love her. They rave about her. And she's just good at what she does. And so for the girls, I'm like, be like your mom, kind and confident. And then for the boy, be like your mom, kind and confident, you know, so he's definitely a little mama's boy. I mean, she's still breastfeeding and, you know, they have a sweet bond and, and he's just a great kid. And, and again, I just feel like, gosh, I I don't make nearly as much money as I used to make when I was doing photography full time, but I've honestly, I've never felt richer Hmm. because of the relationships that I have with my family, because of the health that we have. And again, I like, I like being able to hang with the kids and again, take them to the pool, take them to the science center. We went to the arch a week or two ago and the kids love it. And, you know, and they love learning. And my daughter, again, she's reading all the little placards in the museum and learning stuff. My, my oldest, she reminds me of that little kid in Jerry Maguire, like the human head weighs eight pounds. You know, she's always dropping random facts about volcanoes or porpoises or whatever she <laughs> happens to be reading that day. Mm-hmm. But I take a lot of pride in that. And I just, I want to spend as much time. With them as I can, and then as she's getting older and she's asking about more adult things, we're trying to explain to her. Hey, you know, uh, the other day she we, she said something, you know, some some bureaucratic mess that we were dealing with, and she goes, "I don't really like the government." And I'm like, "Oh, my sweet girl," and I gave her a big hug. So you know, um,
0: well, we've talked a lot about how to make the most of life mm-hmm. and things we like in life and how to go through it and so forth. You have any thoughts about like just what? the meaning of it all is or what's the purpose of life just kind of more in the, the big uh, viewpoints
1: that's deep um I, I think again everyone finding their own purpose uh, they say that the two greatest points are like they are born in the day you figure out why you know i don't know necessarily why but like i said as i was reading those morning mantras it's like i i want to be someone that inspires others whether it was with photography or weight loss. And again, obviously, lately my life has been a lot about the weight loss and the health because of the journey that I went through. And I like to show people like, hey, this is possible. I mean, you're looking at a guy who would eat a box of cereal at a time. You know, I would eat an entire box of Girl Scout cookies at a time. I would eat an entire large pizza by myself at a sitting. And, And so for me to be able to lose the 100 pounds that I lost... Like it is, uh, first of all, I never set out to lose a hundred pounds cause hey, I didn't think it was possible. And I didn't even know how to hundred pounds to lose. But again, when I lost that first 50 pounds, I was like, Oh great. I lost 50 pounds. I'm still fat, you know? So I kept going, but I want to show people that anything's possible that you set your mind to. And I think the meaning of life is just trying to connect with others to help people to, to, you know, to live your best life. And, and again, I, I, um, I have a t-shirt that I wear and I try not to wear it around my daughters cause they can read now, but it's, says, I'm a Emmer effing ray of sunshine. You know, and I say it kind of tongue in cheek, but I, I try to like, I want to be a Ray. I want to inspire people. And again, not everyone's going to like that. Some people want to put out your fire and I'm not comparing myself to this person because I I don't necessarily love the comparison. But if you think of someone like Rush Limbaugh from a few years ago, you know, so many people hated Rush, so many people hated Rush, but so many people love that guy and they live by his every single word. And so it's like, I realized that, Hey, no matter where you are, Barry Bonds, I ran into Barry Bonds in a shopping mall in Arizona one time during spring training one of the greatest home run hitters of all time. And so many people hated him. I mean, it's probably cheated or whatever, but like, again, he had so many fans made all these millions, but then so many people hated him. So it's like, Hey, you can't worry about like doing that. You have to take care of yourself and your family. And it, I think it starts with you. And I think just trying to live the best life that you possibly can.
0: Okay. I'll give you a chance to, um, kind of tell people how they can follow you. Okay. But just anything else that you know?
1: I mean, we could go on for hours. I love this open format, just chatting about all that stuff. But um, I, I think uh, I, if I want share one thing too, like you, you mentioned about suffering and, and stuff like that a little while ago. And I think one of the best books that I read in the last few years was Hero on a Mission by Don Miller. Mm-hmm. And it just talks about oh, yeah. not having a victim mindset. And you look around the world and so many people are victims these days and they just find stupid reasons to get bent out of shape. And, you know, whether someone calls them a name or they, they, they say something about them and it's like, that's on you. Like people hmm. call me names all the time. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. There's nothing that someone can say that's going to make me feel any less about myself or anything like that. So I think it really is just trying to, if you ditch that victim mindset, you're going to have a better life, you know, and you just try to be proactive. So that, you know, that's one of my, my favorite things that I've read in the last couple of years. And I think that's a good message that we could end on here. But, um, yeah.
0: Well, how can people follow you?
1: Well, again, I'm the Becker on everything, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or com is my website. And that links to everything else It links to my photography, it links to my weight loss coaching, it links to business coaching, but pretty much the Becker just as one word. I'm pretty much there on all the socials. All right. Well, thanks,
0: Chris. I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, hey, it's been really fun. <laughs>